foot enthusiasts, minimal footwear lovers, or anyone trying to fix your own feet, I'm heading to North Carolina this May to lead a live, in-person, three-day retreat all about feet. I'm going to be at the Art of Living Retreat Center, which is up in the mountains of North Carolina. It's so beautiful there. And are you ready to hear what I'm calling it? The retreat is called Healing Your Soul, a stepwise approach to building forever functional feet. That's so good, right? If you want to learn all about how to take care of the muscles, bones, joints, fascia, and nerves of the feet, and learn how strong feet and ankles relate to sustainable hips and knees, this event is for you. In addition to the classroom and movement time with me, you're on retreat. So there's delicious meals, a nature-rich campus that you can explore on foot, and plenty of time for rest and relaxation, all included. A retreat is a perfect way to care for yourself in the moment, but also in the future. You are coming to learn a massive toolkit of information. So whether you're a competitive runner, a dynamic ager, or a healthcare practitioner, this is a weekend full of movement for you and your feet. And like I said, you're gonna leave with a toolkit and a big swag bag that you can use to train your feet for life. For more information about the movement sessions, the food, the center, head to my website, nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. That's nutritiousmovement.com slash retreat. Hello, I am Katie Bowman, and this is the Move Your DNA podcast. I am a biomechanist and the author of multiple books on movement, including a new one on the way. More on that in a minute. On this show, we talk about how movement works on the cellular level, how to move more, and how to move more of your parts, as well as how movement works between bodies and in the world, also known as movement ecology. All bodies are welcome here. Are you ready to get moving? Hi friends, it's a long time no talk. Spring is on the way, and what better time to do a little spring cleaning? In fact, today's episode is cleaning up a few of the to-do items that I have on this podcast list to answer another of your questions on walking, and most importantly, to let you know all about Grow Wild, the whole child, whole family, nature-rich guide to moving more, my new book to help kids and folks that love and care for them move more. And Also, how you can be the first to score not only your very own copy, but how you can get a ticket to the book's virtual launch party. But let's talk about the book first, specifically some behind-the-scenes stuff, not only about the book, but about my personal life. To do that, though, I'm bringing in two guests, my husband, Michael Curran, and Propriometrics Press Marketing Director, and my friend, Roland Denzel. Welcome, Michael and Roland. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So I've been working on Grow Wild for more than two years, and it's a different book than I've ever written before. It is full color, and it includes over 200 glossy images. And I designed it to not only speak to adults through words, but to adults and children through images. And the images are there to inform everyone, but especially children, that children are quite capable of moving at a different capacity than perhaps they are right now. So on that note, I overheard my husband talk about Grow Wild with someone, and he described it. Well, I'll let him say how he described it. 
I am very excited about this book because I grew up on coffee table books and we have pictures, uh, you know, to, to learn from it. And so I'm just super excited that Katie has a coffee table book coming out is what she caught me saying to our friends. And um, she seemed annoyed by it. Well, it did lead to a big discussion <laughs> on on why I felt it was absolutely not a coffee table book. So in a marketing meeting for Grow Wild, I brought this ridiculous description <laughs> of Grow Wild to, up to Roland. And I said something like, hey, Roland, can you believe Michael just described Grow Wild as a coffee table book? To which Roland said... That's what I've been calling it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I've been described. Galena asked what my wife asked what Grow Wild was like, and it's I said it's like a coffee table book. It's so beautiful, and uh, yeah. So I don't think Katie didn't. Katie went, huh? And she, I think she immediately uh, rethought what your what Michael what you thought as well. So I immediately froze the conversation at this point. So we could have it here. So we could have it, I mean, I'll say publicly, because Roland has over 20 years in the publishing industry, maybe more. How many years do you have? Mm, I'm going to say 27. Okay, right. All right. So like, if we're going to, if we're going to round in the way my children are learning how to round numbers, that's closer to 30 <laughs> than it is to 20. So you have 27 years in the publishing industry. And Michael has set, I'm sure, hundreds of cups of coffee on at least 20 different coffee tables in his in his life, so he is also sort of an expert. So I want to hear both of you out to get to the bottom of this question: Is Grow Wild a coffee table book or not? So this is my first question for each of you: What does a coffee table book mean to you, Roland, and then Michael? To me, a coffee table book is at its most basic is a book that looks good enough and has an intriguing look to it that you can leave out on the coffee table or the side table and people will be inclined to pick it up to learn more about it, to flip through it. And um, often they will find, they can flip often to like a, a specific portion of the book and just kind of gets, and just kind of gets sucked in. Um, that's at the, now, they're better when they have a beautiful cover and they have beautiful images. And so it's almost like a, a, like a piece of decoration in addition to being a useful, uh, a useful piece of literature. Okay, so beautiful images, one. That's absolutely also how I think about coffee table books. But what I hear you say is also great conversation piece. And then this sort of um, this idea that you're you're lured into it because it's beautiful, and then from there you're able to extract an idea. So, like, I'm okay with that. And then now, Michael, what's a coffee table book to you? Well, I guess to me the the idea that a picture is worth a thousand words um, is, and I don't I don't like reading. It hurts my eyes. I don't enjoy the physical active reading. So to have something that has beautiful pictures that I can learn from. And, um, and generally, I mean, when I think of coffee table books that I grew up on and there are many, it's usually captions, um, rather than things that are really written out. Like they're, they're, the photography is, is the art. 
Um, so to me, it's a book that the pictures are so informative that you want to look through it and you want to look through it again and again. Like it, it's not just a go through it once and, and you got the idea. So, so it's just quite literally a book that you want to leave out on your coffee table to flip through the pictures. Okay, so I hear both of those things. So to me, a coffee table book, and I think Roland in our uh, earlier discussion, this sort of came up is, to me, the idea of a coffee table book is that it's not that it's mostly photos, or as Michael just said, captions, you know, like the amount of writing to photos in a coffee table book, as I'm used to thinking about it is lots of photos, sort of captiony, insubstantial in terms of ideas. So that's my, I think that's sort of my main resistance to it being a coffee table book is this is actually a big idea book. This book, in this book, I'm using beautiful photographs, yes, to convey big ideas, right? I really selected photos that weren't only, uh, that weren't only beautiful as sort of adornment for the ideas, but rather could be instructional in themselves that when I didn't have, I mean, this book is 400 pages long, which go to your bookshelves right now and try to find another 400 page book. And it's going to be something like a field guide, you know, like there's just not, or great expectations or something like just, there's, there's not that many books that are printed that big. And I, and I had to cut out half, you know, the essential volume two of words. So I was trying to pick images that wouldn't necessarily reiterate what I was saying or wouldn't only reiterate, but also provide some extra example that I hadn't written out in words so that they would stand in each for extra words. So I think my resistance is mostly the idea that it's going to be perceived as decoration, right? Like, oh, like this is one that it's decoration, and two, there's an entire section on furniture free in the book. So the idea that it is actually a book for furniture, like there's a whole paradox in itself. I'm like, this is a book for the floor. Like, what you're going to have to just throw it on the floor because that's where you're going to need to be sitting when you're done reading. <laughs> well, if I can pull something out of the Grow Wild book. It's not decoration as much as it's adornment. It is a book that is to adorn your home with useful uh, ideas about going furniture free. And I also wanted to draw your attention. I don't remember the names of the books, but they uh, have many beautiful pictures. And one of them has all the people around the world who bring all their furniture out. Oh, that's a great uh, book. Yeah. And and so it's very photo driven, but it is very, very informative. The other one was they had people take a picture of their kitchen with all of their foodstuffs out. Uh, and again, to me, these are coffee table books and they are huge idea books. Um, you know, the idea of of seeing at a glance what people around the world have in their home or have as their possessions um, or have uh, as their, you know, foodstuffs. Um, so to me, coffee table books, at least the ones that I have tuned into, are very big idea books. Okay, so I ran to the bookshelf. So have you seen Hungry Planet? These books are amazing. Okay, now that you say that, mm -hmm. I actually pulled these books out. Um, what's the other one called? I think it's upstairs. Um, so Hungry Planet is a huge book, full color. 
you know, close to 300 pages that is amazing that shows what the world eats. It's a very great cross-cultural book and mm-hmm. it explains. But but I will also say that I have uh, very rarely used this book to read. Like I, I sort of use it for the images because the images are so informative. And I just really want people to actually read the text of Grow Wild. So I think that it's just that. Um, maybe it's great if you don't read it. Well, I was going to say, luckily, I mean, so there are, and I'm sure Michael will agree with me because he's so brilliant, is that there's a variety of coffee table books, right? So there's like a cookbook can be a coffee table book if the pictures are are, are nice enough, right? And if you can learn a lot about a cookbook or there's, um, I had a, growing up, we had a coffee table book on our coffee table and on our side table for years about Borneo because I spent a year in Borneo and my parents brought this book of Borneo back and we had left it out there. So when I talk about Borneo, my, my friends and the family could all see like what Borneo was like when we were there, but there were a lot, there were a lot of beautiful pictures. So in a lot of ways, I thought, felt like the pictures were almost like a, like a visual headline. So you see the picture and then you go, Oh, that's really interesting. And then if there's a caption within the picture, that's even better. And then you flip over, flip to the next page. And then you have a little bit about that. So it was a good mix of, words, pictures, and captions. But a coffee, we have had coffee table books that are just really beautiful books that are smaller books too, that are very dense, but they have, but they look good enough and they're intriguing enough for people that you do want to leave out. And so a coffee table book can sort of run the gamut. So is this a coffee table yeah. book? I mean, is that the answer? The answer is yes. It can be. It can be a coffee table book and... I don't know what else to say. Like, am I going to be describing this as a coffee table book? We don't even have a coffee table. We don't have a coffee table. What are we going to do? It makes it hard to describe that way. And calling it a toilet book is... (laughs) While accurate. While 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 accurate. accurate. (laughs) For coffee table books around here. Well, I like to say, you know, I like to say some books are are good uh, toilet books, but I really don't want people to spend that much time on the toilet. So it would be better to have the book... Out on the out on the living room floor. Um, now we do have a coffee table, but we use it to sit on. Right. We use it to sit around. That's right. Like we sit on the floor, and that's that's basically our dinner table. We have very small coffee tables that are modular, and they slide around. So we use those as our coffee tables, and we we do sometimes have books on them, and they cannot be those huge like that huge book you just showed. We could not have that on our coffee table, but that huge book could sit on the floor and be a coffee table into unto itself. Or a platform like for you to perch yourself on while you're sitting. Yeah. So maybe we're gonna have to call it a low table book. Because our coffee tables too have always been repurposed as our desks or kitchen table. So they're just table book. Is this a table it, book? I think it's definitely a low table book. It's a low table book. Wow. Well, and there's there's clearly a spectrum. There's a spectrum of 400 page books. At one end, you have Great Expectation, and at the other end, you have a pure photo uh, expository on something wonderful. Uh, and previous Katie Bowman books are closer to the Great Expectations end of the spectrum. Very wordy. Uh, very very wordy. Uh, no, just kidding. Much, <laughs> much like Katie <laughs> uh, And this one is more towards the coffee table end of the spectrum than the other Bowman books. 
And well, and I would say, so if I have to think about this book as sort of the intersection of lots of different books, that probably what it, what I, how I would describe it. And now maybe it's worth noting. It just like occurred to me right now is I grew up, I did, I grew up with no coffee table books. We didn't have a coffee table or a coffee table book. So they're not sort of warm and fuzzy and speaking of home and family and previous experience. But the way it feels to me and looks to me is more like a field guide, which which would also potentially be a coffee table book in that it's highly visual. Mm-hmm. Um, I you know I did write it so that you could sort of flip to a section. It does not have to be read beginning to end. Although there is certainly a complete um, most robust ro- most robust book I've ever written in that way. But also made it so you could drop in by environment. Like if you just wanted to get the book and start thinking about home, you don't have to really glom on to the larger thread through the book. You could just see via pictures or smaller sections like, right, we're going to make that adjustment. I hadn't really thought about that. So, so yeah, to me, if it, it would be like a field guide that you would want to share with your friends via some public space where they will see it. Seems like coffee table book is more concise. <laughs> Yeah, you definitely lost the conciseness with that description. It happens a lot around so, here. So if you went to a coffee house in town, wouldn't you be thrilled to see your book on their coffee table? Yes. So people could pick it up and learn. Yes. Right? Okay, so so that example resonates with me, which is like you would feel great about this book being out as something a stimulating. Con- now I want to actually open up a coffee house where – a cool book like Hungry Planet <laughs> and What the World Eats and Grow Wild and Borneo and like all these other books are just sort of out so that you can learn something while you're just sitting there. Don't just sit there. Don't just Read sit something. There. <laughs> so the other thing that I'll point out about coffee, coffee table books get a bad rap because they're like the, the last minute gift idea. Like you walk into like the bookstore and they have all those coffee table books right on display and and if you go to like Barnes and Noble or Borders when it existed there was like a whole almost like a discount everything was 30% off in the section and there's a whole bunch of coffee table books was that was the primary thing in there but um this is the perfect because it's so visual right and because it looks so good it's the perfect gifting book right and it's, you know, you can give that to somebody and it's not like saying like a lot of health books, you would say, oh, gosh, you're, are you implying, are you saying that I'm fat or are you saying that I need to move more? Like, no, this is just something, this is a beautiful book that gives ideas for um, moving more and more naturally and just integrating things into your life. It's just like sort of living your life in a way that brings health, uh, health to you. And I think everyone would want that and no one's going to be, people will be, I think people will be thrilled to unwrap this book. Yeah, it's, yeah, that is definitely a gift book. So I'm okay with those two conditions. The yeah. fact that like it would be on a table <laughs> somewhere, you know, out or the fact that you would want to gift it. I'm hoping that Grow Wild becomes sort of the, you know, like the baby shower gift instead of what to expect when you're expecting. It's like, okay, well, what about after mm-hmm. that? What about right after that? And since movement and environment is such a concern, not a, uh, it's such a, it's such a, um, an environment in which we're willing to consider at that stage. Like, I'm really hoping this becomes the gift that you give people for baby showers or newborn or for when your birthday presents and things like that. The perfect yeah. coffee yeah. table book the f- for a baby shower. Yeah. That doesn't really feel right. <laughs> it's quite a tagline. 
but I love the thought. Okay, well, thank you for helping me work through that. I feel better now. You're welcome. I feel like we're much closer. Much closer. Okay, with that little fun session out of the way, let's talk about the book publisher pre-sale and that virtual launch party that I mentioned earlier. You can pre-order books a few different ways, but most often it's going to be from Amazon or from the publisher. When you pre-order from the publisher, they make nearly seven times more money on that, on that individual book compared to when it's bought off of Amazon. So publisher pre-sold copies is how they're able to pay for getting the book made. So to get you to do that, they've asked me to sweeten their pre-sale deal. So this is why I am telling podcast folks about the publisher's deal. Those with U.S. or Canadian addresses can order at growwildbook.com by April 1st and not only get your copy, but also an immediate download for your fridge, 30 ways to move more with kids right now than I created. But you also get a ticket to the book's virtual launch party where I will be there live answering your questions. But not only me, Danny Hemmett, this podcast's original host, will be there as the MC. That's right. You are excited now. And by you, I mean auto. Am I right? Am I right? Anyway, there's going to be lots of other giveaways. There's free minimal shoes and books and so many other cool things. We're also making it family fun so that the kids can watch along too. But there's one more thing that I didn't say. For every pre-order purchased at growwildbook.com, you get an entry into a drawing, and the winner of that drawing gets a free one-hour live session with me on the phone or via computer, Skype, or Zoom to work out really some of your family's particular issues that you would like me to weigh on specifically. Or we can just hang out and have tea. Your choice if you win. So again, pre-order Grow Wild at growwildbook.com by April 1st. Get your copy hot off the press. If you are out of the United States or Canada, do not worry. You can just get a ticket to the party at growwildbook.com. And if you're in the United States or Canada and you're just waiting for the ebook or the audiobook versions, which are separate from the paperback pre-sale, and yes, there's going to be an audiobook. Did you hear that? Yay! You can also just grab a ticket at that same website, growwildbook.com. And by the way, those two coffee table books that we were talking about earlier, I just went to find them, and their titles are Hungry Planet, What the World Eats, and Material World, A Global Family Portrait. Both of those books are fantastic. I highly recommend them, and I'll link to where you can find them in the show notes. Okay, next up in Cleaning Up Loose podcast ends, back to walking questions. I was out walking again with my husband, and before I left, I had just happened to glance at the list of remaining walking questions, and there was one on there that was so good, and I knew that it would probably take 10 minutes just to sort of, I'm going to say meander through the answer, and I mean that literally and figuratively, and I tried to stack answering it with a hike. The question has to do with how to best allocate one's movement time. Am I better off to focus on my number of steps per day or really honing in my form uh, for body uh, health? 
Yeah, this is a great question. Probably the most important question, or certainly one that most people are considering. And it doesn't have to only do with walking. It can be whatever, whatever thing you're trying to make progress to or towards. So when I walked 440 miles for my 44th birthday last year, I was walking 10 miles a day. And being able to walk 10 miles a day pretty much took all my extra time. I had to pull time out of my ears. I had to take, you know, if I had an hour for stretching or doing corrective exercise or restorative work, that had to go to walking, right? There's only so much time that we have. And what I noticed was accumulating that volume of steps in the absence of doing the things that I know my body needs to support those steps. For me specifically, it's dealing with my left ankle and hip, right? So my left ankle and hip don't sit in in an alignment that allows them to use really my calf and my hamstring and my glute on one side as well as my opposite side. Normally when I'm walking five miles or seven miles a day and also doing you know 20 to 60 minutes of corrective exercise, it's not all at once, but peppered throughout the day, that doesn't bug me. I'm able to do sort of the alignment work and my gait in the context of a day or most days per week. I could not do it when I had increased my volume so much. So I had to back down with my walking and and use some of that time to go back to form because my walking was no longer, it wasn't good for all of me, right? So that's how I made that decision. I made a decision based on how I was feeling by doing my steps. I was getting my steps, but the steps had lost some of their nutrition. So I was like, well, at this point, walking was still, you know, it's still bringing me joy. It was still helping me transport my body from point A to point B, but but I was able to make a decision that I could do less of it in favor for, I will say the sedentary parts of my body that were not benefiting from that walk, right? So that's, That's what was going on there. So the answer, my answer would be that the answer to that question depends on you and how your walking is currently feeling, the volume of it, um, if it's leaving you feeling improved, if it's leaving you feeling um, uh, like less, like I did a walk. Yeah, yes, and it's hard because it's not necessarily worse off. Like, I still reap the benefits of walking those 10 miles. Even if my hip and ankle didn't, my whole body felt amazing. Like, my whole person, my mind, my soul, those needs were being met. And that's what makes this so tricky is I think a lot of us pursue what we will call whole body moves because they make our minds and our souls sing but my ankle, my left ankle, my left hip, not so much. They're like, hey, mine's so good for you, but I, but I don't feel so good. So it's like really seeing yourself as a whole person and seeing all the individual parts and really trying to balance your decisions for the sake of both of those perspectives. That being said, perhaps more helpful would be this, the idea that You have to work on your gait or do your corrective exercises when you're at home and you walk sort of when you're out and on the move. So a good solution I think would be to 
pepper in your corrective exercises during your walk. There's so many things about walking form. If you did the walking well course with Jill Miller and I, there are so many pieces about you know, what a stride looks like, how you hold your rib cage, where you hold your head. All of that can be done while you're actually on a walk. So for example, right now, as we are out on a walk, you can look down at your feet. I'm gonna look down at my feet. You can look at the position that they're pointing. You can make an adjustment. You can stop for a second. I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna find my neutral knee pits, right? I'm gonna do a little bit of external rotation and I'm gonna use that neutral knee pit behind me to sort of reach the ball of my feet down. I'm gonna do a little bit of what we call four foot eversion. And then I'm gonna take seven or eight slow steps and really think about pushing off. Now I'm still on a walk. I My heart and my soul are still singing. My left ankle just got invited a little bit more to the party, right? So I'm starting to see the integration between the correctives and, or the smaller pieces, and I'm gonna start going a little bit faster, the smaller pieces and the whole activity. And I think that that is something that uh, folks will also ask me a lot is like, where do these individual pieces fit into the bigger picture? And think about your calf stretch. Your calf stretch, if you stand on one leg and then your body goes forward, your calf has to get longer. Your ankle joint has to get smaller while you're still holding it on a single leg. Pelvic list, what if you walked in slow motion and thought about your pelvic list carrying your weight from your right foot to your left foot to your right foot. All of these exercises that you've been doing when they're sped up and often not done to the fullest form that we would do them as standalone exercises. When you do that, speed them up and 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 do them to a, a lesser degree, I guess is easier is easiest way of saying that. You will find them or feel them in your walk. And then you can also just straight up stop your walk and find something to put your foot up and stretch your calves. I lead a lot of group walks, long distance walks. And a big portion of those long distance walks is regularly stopping to do a pelvic list, to do a calf stretch, to do a thoracic stretch, to remind you these things go into this other thing that you're doing. These corrective exercises are part of the big walk. It's just that when we, when we do a big walk, we strap on, I was gonna say a Walkman. If you, if you have a picture with you with a Walkman, please send me a picture, ASAP. Um, you know, you got earphones on and you're sort of checked out from your walking. We're trying to use our walk to enjoy maybe entertainment, maybe education, maybe you're listening to this as you're walking, maybe you're walking with a friend and you wanna connect, but you might wanna have a portion of your walk just for a walk observation. And then that way, you don't have to choose between corrective exercises in walking time, you can do them both at the same time, which is really the, the movement permaculture approach. It's a walk observation. A walk observation is observing yourself when you walk? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'll go with that. Anything you want to add? No, I just added it. All right. Great. Okay, that's a wrap. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you don't get my newsletter, first of all, why don't you? And second of all, go sign up for it immediately at nutritiousmovement.com. 
or don't, but head over to that website anyway and go to the blog because I wrote three new articles this last month. One is how to stay active and outside well, how to do those things well during really cold winter weather, which we in the United States in 2021 are definitely having this year. Another article is on another very cool way to bolster yourself with a chair in order to be able to do a lunge if you have sore knees. And in that article, there's also a video of me breaking it down. Go check that one out. And last but not least, 30 books. You guys love my book lists. I know I love making them. I am such a huge book nerd and book fan. 30 books to get kids from toddlers to teenagers to connect to nature and moving more through nature. These are not how-to books. These are really story books. Let the story do some of of the teaching stories in innate human way that we learn about the world. So go to your library and then literally check out some of those titles. Everything is in the show notes, including where to pre-order Grow Wild. Go to growwildbook.com. And with that, I, Katie Bowman, am out. Outside, that is. This has been Move Your DNA with Katie Bowman, a podcast about movement. Hopefully you find the general information in this podcast informative and helpful, but it is not intended to replace medical advice and should not be used as such.